You're listening to Experts in Their Field, a podcast from the Agricultural Science Association. Hello, I'm Tommy Boland, Agricultural Science Association President. In this episode of Experts in Their Field, ASA Vice President Neve Bambrick is joined by Anne-Marie Butler, Head of Education in Chagas. Anne-Marie shares with us her personal journey from growing up on a tillage farm in County Kilkenny, through her education in UCD and on into her career, which to date has included roles in UCD, Ulster Bank and more recently in Chagas. Anne-Marie speaks about the importance of mentorship, building a network and recognising and seizing opportunities that present themselves to you in your career. Anne-Marie has some excellent advice for recent and perhaps not so recent graduates in terms of career progression. And she also talks to us about her time as ASA president during the challenging COVID years. On behalf of the Agricultural Science Association, I would like to wish Anne-Marie and her family Derek, Keelan and Senan continued health and success. Hi Anne-Marie, thanks a million for recording the podcast with us. Thanks very much, Neve. delighted. Um, I suppose, I guess, we're down in Freshford in the sunny 27 degrees here today. Um, so maybe we might kind of start with you telling us about growing up here in Freshford. Um, and yeah, growing up as an only daughter as well in the farm. Yeah, so look, so thanks very much, Neve. A uh, great honour to be on the podcast um, and thank you to all at ASA. So yeah, look, you're very welcome to Freshford. So as you said, this is, a, I suppose I'm on home turf. Um, Freshford, about 10 kilometres from Kilkenny. Um, as I said, an only child. Um, I have two children. When they were younger, they used to say I was a lonely child. So I was never lonely, but uh, just myself, my mom and dad. I have a small tillage farm here in Kilkenny. So um, great memories growing up on the farm. Um, we had no stock, so I never had to stand in a gap. Um, but lots of great memories of, I suppose, sowing corn. We had sugar beet, which a lot of people might not even know what sugar beet is anymore, but a great crop at the time. Um, and because we were between Thurles and Carlow, there was lots of trips on lorries and tractors bringing loads of beet. Um, and I, I suppose just always enjoyed being out, um, always enjoyed the hard work as well as the, the not so nice jobs, you know, picking stones and picking wild oats and picking wild beet and all these kind of things. But um, I suppose, look, I had, I had a great upbringing. Um, I was very lucky. My grandparents lived here beside us. Uh, my dad's parents and um, I suppose my granny instilled in me a love of reading, which I still have very much and a, a good book. Um, so they were always here. And because they were here, I suppose my dad, um, there was uh, six in, in his family, others. So they were always coming. So I always had cousins around and bits and pieces. Um, but it was always busy, uh, plenty of sport and plenty of going. So um, I suppose without realising that I, I always enjoyed agriculture, but it was just a way of life. So it's great that Derek, Keelan and myself are back living in, in Freshford. Um, Derek's from Danes Fort, which isn't too far away, so I'm trying to make a freshman man of him now. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, so I guess, yeah, so you probably first came in kind of contact big time with uh, other children, let's say, in school. I take it you went to school in Freshford? Yeah, I went to school in Freshford and my two are in school in Freshford. So yeah, very much a rural school. Um, its gas was about 33 in my class, like... Sen and my son is 18 in his class now, so like 33 when you think about it, it was a big number. But mm. yeah, great school. Um, I have a great love of Irish. Um, there was a lot of teachers in the school at the time who really instilled Irish and loved Irish and, and Irish as a part of it and history. Um, so great memories in Freshford, uh, a lot of camogie. 
Um, and a good, you know, mixed school, obviously, very much rural Ireland, lots of farming in the classrooms, probably a lot more than there is now, mm. um, where my two are in school, like, you know, it was a lot less farming um, families. Uh, but yeah, great memories and headed from there then into Loretto and Kilkenny. So into the big, bold city. Yeah, into um, the big, bold city, about 600 girls in there. Um, I suppose it was interesting. Um, my dad gave me great advice, pick a school that the bus stops at the gate. <laughs> um, and hence I ended up in Loretto. And look, to be very honest, Neve, I could speak at length about Loretto. Um, I didn't realise it as only as the years go on, but it was a great school. Um, I was delighted to go back in the last couple of months and accept an alumni award. Um, and I suppose I was reflecting on the time in Loretto and it really taught me about hard work. Mm. You know, there was a lot of teachers there who, who I was fortunate, I like to learn, so I'm very fortunate. A lot of people who don't, you know, mainstream school doesn't suit them or mm. they mightn't enjoy learning the way I did and the way I do. Um, but there was a number of teachers there who really instilled that if you can work hard, if you apply yourself, you will get results and rewards. And and that worked very well for me. But look, it was a great school. Um, I got to be the head girl in Leaving Search, which was a great honour. And I suppose taught me about leadership. Like I didn't really realise it, but you were leading a team of prefects. Mm. We had sports captains, uh, we had different prefects and classes, we had to organise things for first years. And my daughter Keelan is in Loretto now, and a lot of those events still happen. Um, and it's only when you reflect that you, you know, appreciate what it was you, you learnt in Loretto and uh, what it instilled. So, um, yeah, I'm very proud to say I went to Loretto. And lots of sport there as well, lots of camogie and hockey. Um, and lots of things, like we got to volunteer in St. Patrick's and Kilkenny, you know, a centre for uh, children and adults with, with special needs. Uh, we learned how to type um, things that you didn't really appreciate. It's just as you look back, you realise, you know, uh, they weren't bad skills to acquire along the way. Yeah, absolutely. When you look back, secondary school gives a good good foundation. Um, I suppose then you probably kind of spoke on it being that, you know, you were always out on the farm and everything. Um, was it kind of home that instilled your choice to go to um, ag do ag science in UCD or you know, were you, was it always that? Was it always going to be no, ag science? not at all. Um, I My first choice at the time was going to be um, industrial chemistry down in UL. Um, so my two, probably, well, my three, but my two favourite subjects for Leaving Cert uh, were economics and chemistry. Um, and I had, look, I had a great science teacher, Miss Murphy. I had her for biology and chemistry. She was a great lady. Um, she prepared us very well for exams, but she taught us to I suppose, appreciate science. Mm. Um, but economics, had a great love of economics. Um, and I remember coming up to Leaving Cert, I was saying to a friend of mine, Katrina, um, from Ballyfoyle and Kilkenny, God, I don't know what to do. I love economics and I love science. And it was Katrina who said, uh, God, you should do ag science in UCD because you can study food and agribusiness management. And sure, when I looked it up and, you know, you didn't really Google it back then, Neve, you got the prospectus out. Um, and when I looked at the modules, there was economics, there was biology, there was chemistry. Um, and Katrina uh, also went on to study ag science um, and uh, the two of us soldiered together. And I suppose it was, a, it was a great selection, to be fair to Katrina. She highlighted it very well, but it let me do both. You know, it let me study science in first year and second year, and then it let me specialise into food and agribusiness management um, so that I got that blend of the business and the science. And I suppose from the very beginning, they taught you how important that science was in business. Mm. Um, there was maybe 23 or four in my class, many of whom are ASA members now and many are working in the industry. Um, so look, as our listeners know, look, there's a great collegiality there. Um, so you were part of that bigger group. But certainly the food and agribusiness class was a smaller class. Uh, so you got to know people very well very early. So, um, yeah, I have super memories of UCD. Super. 
So I suppose what at what stage, Anne-Marie, throughout kind of being in UCD, did you decide that um, you were going to undertake a PhD when you finished up? Was it kind of like the rest of us in fourth year where you just fell into every whatever was coming or was it always going to be the educational, you know, research yeah. route? No, there was no grand plan um, and there probably still isn't a big grand plan, Neve. Um, to be honest. But when I was in um, coming into third year, you go on work experience for about six months in the farm business management at the time. Um, and there was a sign up on the notice board to apply for a scholarship to go to Purdue University in Indiana. Um, so I applied, did an interview and was very fortunate. Four of us headed off to Purdue. Um, we headed off in about March until September. Um, and I was an intern in the university. I worked with uh, Professor Chris Hart. He was a, a professor of uh, pigs or hogs, as was the title that he had. Um, and I basically spent six months working for him. And it was the very first time I suppose I appreciated postgraduate studies. I was in an office with um, you know, students who were completing masters and PhDs. And it was the very first time I realized what it was and what you could do. And that probably you know, um, laid the foundations. Came back, finished fourth year, um, got on well in the studies but I'll be really honest I was a great woman for the library and I was a great woman to study um, and you know it, it was quite fortuitous it worked well but then I saw a sign for a master's um, with uh, Professor Michael Wallace who's still in UCD um, economist there um, and applied for the master's and was successful and my other supervisor was uh, Professor Pat Dillon down in Moorpark so I was very fortunate I had two two great men guiding me um, and about a year into the master's um, Michael Wallace said to me, look, there's enough data in this for you to do a PhD. Um, and I remember coming home to my parents and uh, saying to them, God, I think I'm going to do a PhD. Um, and my late dad said to me at the time, um, look, for a man who never went to school, he said, what does that mean? Um, and I was kind of humming and hawing how to explain that really I was going to stay on for another couple of years. And I just kind of said to him, I said, it means I'll be doctor at the end of it. And uh, with a smile, he said, God, we'll get great mileage out of that. Um <laughs> So as it came to pass, about two weeks later, he passed away. Oh. So he didn't see the uh, plan through to fruition. But look, I suppose my mom was great. My mom said to me, um, just very shortly after he passed away, she said, look, you had a plan. We stick with the plan. Um, and we did. So I, I kind of, I suppose the PhD evolved. It was really interesting. It was um, mathematical modeling. I was modeling what kind of cow you have, what you should feed her, um, you know, when she should calf, what kind of diet she was on. And we modeled different scenarios if you were farming in Cavan versus Moor Park versus um, Kilmaley down in Clare at the time. Um, and it was it was just very interesting. Um, again, I suppose I had a great team with with Michael and Pat. Um, and I also got the opportunity to spend about six months in Wageningen in the Netherlands. Um, and I suppose a big I suppose a big part for me, Neve, or a big part of even talking on this podcast is trying to say to people, take opportunities when they come. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I never set out to go to America and I ended up then learning about PhDs. And I never set out to go to Wageningen and had, you know, six great months there taking classes. And I suppose learning about data and research and all the data that they had in the Netherlands at the time. Like, you know, this is back in maybe 2002, 2003 um, and just great experiences, you know. So um, I really enjoyed the PhD time. Mm-hmm. Um, they are a little bit of a challenge um, and you wonder what took you so long when you're finished. Um, but a great learning about yourself and determination and applying yourself, not for everybody, I'd be the first to admit, but certainly it was a pathway that started as a master's and um, thankfully ended as a PhD. And I think it's only the more you move away from a PhD, the more you uh, respect and appreciate what you have. 
Very good. So then we have a very qualified Dr. Anne-Marie Butler and she has all her education completed um, or so or so much at that point. Um, what does Anne-Marie do next? Yeah, so Anne-Marie decides, um, I'm a big believer, Neve, in your gut feeling. Mm. Um, I genuinely believe your, your gut won't put you wrong. Um, so I finished PhD. Uh, I was very fortunate. Um, I interviewed for a full-time position in UCD. Um, Dr. John Connolly, I'm not sure he interviewed you, Neve, but many of your listeners would have been um, taught by John, um, a very proud West of Ireland man, retired. I was very fortunate with into his job and I lectured there for about three or four years. I really enjoyed the lecturing. I genuinely enjoyed that interaction with students. Um, and then I, you know, I just saw a, a position with Ulster Bank as the agriculture manager. Being really honest, Neve, what had grabbed my attention was the word Kenny was on the ad. <laughs> yeah. Um, and a little bit like a pigeon or something, you know, it's nice to get home. But I, I think the, the business side of me kind of was coming out. You know, I kind of felt, um, God, it would be really interesting to get time in the corporate world. Um, so I was delighted back in 2008. It seems like a while ago now, but I was appointed the agri-manager with Ulster Bank um, based in Dublin. But look, I spent my life on the road and, you know, reflecting on it, it was a huge honour because nearly three or four days a week Neve, I was in somebody's kitchen so my job really was to go out and meet all our customers and advise Ulster Bank on maybe what was happening in pigs like if pig price was up if pig price was down if dairy price was up or down if there was a drought if there was a flood um, so it was to go out and meet customers and you were always welcomed with such kindness into kitchens and, and people were so open and honest um, and you were trying to understand their finances you were trying to understand the science you were trying to understand did they need a new milking parlour? Did they need loose sow housing? There was lots of great times like the um, enriched cages for poultry, um, the farm waste management when there wasn't money to pay the grants. Um, so a huge learning curve. Um, but to be honest, Neve, I found that when I went into Ulster Bank, as you said, I was Dr. Anne-Marie, but I didn't have any qualifications in banking. Mm. Um, so I set out on the route of becoming what is a qualified financial advisor. And there's a number of exams that you have to take. Now, at the start, I didn't have to, to be fair, because I was advising the bank rather than selling a product. Mm. But the way I looked at it was all of my peers in the bank had this qualification. Um, so spent a lot of time with the Institute of Bankers completing exams um, to get those qualifications. And I suppose additional ones along the way. So I have a little bit of a, I don't know, this uh, maybe unhealthy habit of enrolling for <laughs> courses and exams and bringing awful hassle on myself. But... Um, it's what you learn along the way and even I suppose it and we'll chat about it shortly in my current role even still keeping that QFA alive you're learning an awful lot about online digital platforms online learning how other institutions are delivering their courses so I have great memories from Ulster Bank Ulster Bank served me very well and uh, being honest I'm uh, was sorry to see it leave the country yeah so like um it was kind of a big shock I suppose and, and in particular to the agricultural world and Look, it probably followed on from you being based here in Kilkenny and an awful lot of farmers even, you know, around Kilkenny would have been dealing with um, Ulster Bank. So I suppose like it had an it had a big impact on farm families, but also then in other sense, you know, staff like yourselves, because you basically then were left with a decision on what does Amory do now? Yeah, so um, I think Ulster Bank had been in Ireland since 1836. Um, and, you know, in my role as the agri-manager, um, I covered the 26 counties, so I was always on the road. So from the top of Donegal to, you know, the bottom, mm. uh, bottom of the country, 
and there was such a, a loyal customer base there and we were certainly the underdog we were certainly a lot smaller than the competitors AIB and Bank of Ireland but we were always kind of niching away at the yeah. market share and we kind of punched above our weight and there was while there was maybe 1500 staff there was it was very local and very collegial and um achieved a lot in the time that it, that it was there but yeah when it was announced they were leaving I think all of us myself included were were very surprised we knew change was coming uh but when they said they were completely leaving that was you know quite a surprise to, to everybody and like even today um you know here in the middle of June there are still people who are still waiting to leave um but like as I said I kind of looked at it there was I had kind of two options I was to what they call to pay so where you transfer, so the loans were to be sold to AIB and Permatize B. Um, so I will transfer. I would have transferred with those loans into uh, one of those banks, um, and which would have been great. You know, I would largely have had the same role. I'd still be dealing with customers, which is my my big love. Yeah. I enjoy people. Um, but I saw the job advertised for the head of education with Chagask, and um, again, I'm back to the gut feeling, and I kind of thought. God, like that wouldn't be a bad move if, if I could be fortunate enough to get it. Um, so when I was I interviewed and when I got offered the position, um, that there was no real decision, Neve. Like it just felt like the right thing to do. Um, banking had served me very well. Ulster Bank had served me very well. Um, but I felt maybe it was time to head back into uh, into education. Absolutely. Um, very good. Um, I suppose Chagas from um maybe an ignorant person's uh, viewpoint looking in is very male dominated over the years it's it's obviously starting to change as more women are coming into the agriculture and industry um you're the first female from what i can see anyway as the head of a program um and probably an ideal program from you in that you started with education and now you're moving back after you know progressing through your career back to education yeah absolutely so uh, and i should have said my phd was very generously funded as a Chagas Walsh Fellowship, uh, which is a great start for anybody that, you know, mm. your fees are paid and you're getting an element of a stipend. But um, yeah, so when when I joined the organisation, I didn't realise, but um, I suppose a number of people brought to my attention that I was the first ever head of programme. So um, education is a programme under the Knowledge Transfer Directorate. Uh, so yeah, in, in the history of Chagas. So it, it's, it's a great honour. Mm. Um, I think what's very refreshing is the amount of women who've said to me since I came into the role that they find it very um positive and they find it uh I suppose very refreshing that a lady has been appointed to yeah. the role um and I suppose that's like I'm delighted that it offers um I suppose great insight to people or that they take something from it um and look it's a great honor like I suppose I'm leading a great program um we're across seven colleges there's four Chagas colleges and three private colleges and we obviously have all our education courses right across the, the regions and uh, across the country. Um, we're talking about maybe in the region need for 5,000 students a year. So maybe 4,000 Chagas students who are enrolled on level five and level six courses. And then we have a huge part to play in a lot of the technological universities. So SETU, mm -hmm. ATU, MTU, TUS, where their students come into Chagas bases and take some of our modules and uh, very much the practical nature mm -hmm. of it. Um, look, I'm leading a great team of people. I think it's uneven since I came in that you appreciate, um, I suppose, the loyalty that the staff have towards education. They're really in it for the, the right reasons. Mm. Um, but even in the last year and a half of the role, I spent a lot of time um, visiting other colleges around Europe. Um, and Chagask is very fortunate to have research advisory in education. I think we take it for granted when you're in Ireland. And if you know a bit about Chagask or you know um, more, 
but nowhere else in the world is like us. Um, so if we're delivering new courses, you know, you can contact the people in all the centres, if it's the Moor Parks, Grange, Athenry, um, and you have the research specialists, you know, you have the sector specialists, and they can feed into our content, which is huge, which, as I said, most of the colleges, the ag colleges around Europe, they just don't have that, that they're purely a, an education arm rather than having research advisory. Um, so look, it's an exciting time. Um, it's certainly get in at the deep end and, and swim and um, some probably dread me as the banker and what you might do. Um, but look, it's been great. Um, I suppose one thing that came to mind, Neve, when I was thinking about our chat today, when the first day I started in, in Chagask, I'm based in Kildalton, but obviously get out and about as much as I can. Um, I'd come home and I'd said, Derek, my husband had asked me how I got on and I was trying not to be um, negative or that because the kids were, were listening, but I was kind of just saying, God, there's so much I don't know and I, I don't know this and that and the other. And then Sen and my son, who was about eight at the time, he just piped up and said, um, did you make any friends, mommy? <laughs> and I suppose that just reminded me that like any of the roles I've had, it's look, you learn the job. It's the people around you. Mm. Like it's the team that you work with and it's the people who will help me and I'll help them. Um, and I did make friends that first day and uh, people have been most welcoming. Um, but he did, Sen and did kind of remind me that sometimes we can all feel a bit overwhelmed. So sometimes you need mm. somebody to... Um, steady your ship a little like you know absolutely yeah absolutely and even like your education program kind of does that in the sense that you know a lot of kind of maybe leaving certs uh coming out of college and they're overwhelmed and you know they mightn't get the place that they wanted in ucd setu or you know um any of these so like kildalton and the overall chagas education program obviously offers level five and level six courses that you know, can progress to these Absolutely. or they can, you know, you can just do your, your course. Yeah, and... yeah. Like definitely the, the power of the course for me, um, looking at and having met the students and met their families is that practical nature. Mm. So it's 50% practical. So if you visit any of the colleges uh, from Ballyhays, Botanic Gardens, Clonakilty, Kildalton, Mount Bellew, Palace, Kenry and Limerick and Gartine, students are normally in in the morning, they'll have classes, Um, your kind of typical classroom set up. But come lunchtime, it's outside. So they're outside in the yard, they're in the fields, they're in tunnels. If it's equine, you're out with horses also in the morning. So that's the practical thing that the, the students love and I suppose that they really excel at. Um, so it's level five and level six. Um, you'll have, you know, you'll meet your young trained farmer status at the end of it. Um, but for many students, as you said, Neve, like we're in the heart of leaving search at the minute and lots of pressure on students you know it's mm. it's a difficult um couple of weeks for for families and students but i think for a lot of people maybe they don't give enough mass or respect to a level five and level six and what it can do um like if you remember back to ucd when i was in ucd some of the best students in my class were those who had transferred up absolutely from uh waterford at yeah. the time because they had this practicality mm-hmm. um and so we'd find we'd have students who will continue on their pathway and they'll progress to level seven level eight There'll be others who after level six, they'll have enough and they might come back. For others, you know, mainstream school has not been maybe the happiest place for them. They don't have great association with learning. They might have learning difficulties. Um, and we find that when students join us, um, they prosper. You know, they, they find their groove, they find their place. Um, and many of them will have skills that the teachers will say to me, God, there's so many students down here that we can learn from, mm. you know. Um, so I think it's very important that those level fives and sixes, not just in agriculture, but in all courses, maybe get a, a mass that they had in the past that's been a little bit lost because, 
sometimes we might be a little bit overly um, focused on the level eight um, and that honours degree, which isn't for everybody as a starting point. Like there's, you know, I was chatting to a student one day in Kildalton um, and she told me she just did not have the confidence, but she could live at home and come in and out of Kildalton. But now she's after um, applying to transfer into SETU and continue on to her level eight. Um, and, and those are the kind of stories that are great. Yeah. I think we need to maybe uh, promote them a little bit more that um, there's options there for people. And, yeah. and as I said, once you find, you know, my big advice to anyone, study subjects that you like. Yeah. You know, don't pick subjects that you think will be a, a handy <coughs> H1 one. or whatever it is. <laughs> um, you have to enjoy it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, if you can find what you like, as I said, if it's equine, if it's horticulture, um, if it's agriculture, um, you know, do that. And it's important that families support that. Yeah. You know, like even as I said, as the mom of two kids who are like um, 10 and 13, they have their own interests. They have their own hobbies and th- they're subjects that they will like and subjects that they won't maybe like as much. Um, and I think it's half a battle if you can study what you like. Absolutely. It's not study and then it's, it's no. an interest. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, totally. Um, I suppose I'm kind of getting from you like, you know, not to really fear change or kind of things like yeah. that. And even placing emphasis on progression in education rather than a goal end point yeah like I you know I was chatting to somebody recently and I was kind of saying you don't always have to be going up mm, yeah like, you know like when I um decided I would leave UCD and, and join the big bad <laughs> world of banking um there were people who thought I was mad you know uh, this permanent government pensionable job and and she's moving into a bank and it just to really help it then as well Neve, it was the start of the recession so, you know, banks were beginning to come under pressure and, and all the learnings that we have from that. But um, you, sometimes you just need someone to support you mm-hmm. um, or give you the nod, you know. So, um, you know, you, you read books on leadership and they talk about having a mentor. And probably I have a couple of friends that I would trust with, you know, a chat that you don't realise they're a mentor. Mm-hmm. But you, I remember at the time saying it to a, a friend of mine, um, I'm thinking of doing this and the question the answer was geez that'd be great now because you know you have your PhD and now you're going to get a bit of business experience so once somebody can give mm. you a little bit so I think it's important that um we're all it's important to support others around you you know and now if you don't agree with it be honest as well you know don't mm. say it's a great idea for the sake of it but change is never easy like I you know I wouldn't for a minute say to you that there haven't been days when I'm in the new role going golly now there's so much to learn and there's so many people to get mm. to know and um you know after coming out of a job that you've been in for 14 years where you knew most of the answers and if yeah. I didn't I knew where to find them mm. um that's where the value of the team around you is so important and not being afraid though as well to be yourself yeah you know again I'm back to the gut you know mm. um don't make any rash decisions of course but you know not being afraid to back yourself mm. um because I think if you don't back yourself well nobody else will back you um, but not being afraid to bounce ideas, having that kind of open environment. Um, and to be fair to those in charge on education, it is that kind of environment. You know, um, you know, if you suggest something, people will tell you, oh, God, we tried that before or we didn't or this worked or this didn't. But um, look, change is never easy. Uh, we're all very much creatures of habit. But mm-hmm. um, look, I think COVID as well has taught us that we respond well. Totally, yeah. You know, so not to be afraid of change and like, what's the worst that can happen? Mm, you know. Yeah, I obviously change as a challenge. Um, I suppose 
Then in a different sense, like we're sitting here on the ASA podcast, so we absolutely have to mention it, that obviously you're a very recent past president of um, ASA in um, 2020. So... Um, and you kind of had a different year as ASA president, like absolutely a fantastic year. Um, the year that you did it, like you gave everything to it, but it was during COVID. COVID, yeah. So, um, yeah, so I've been an ASA member since I graduated. So back in um, 2001, um, I've always enjoyed ASA. Um, networking, the networking piece, like the amount of people I've got to know. Um, and it was great from a banking perspective because I, I got to attend a lot of events that kept you up to date with science mm. and technologies and got you into a lot of the research and the businesses that you know you wouldn't have the opportunity to get into. Um, and then back in Amy McKeever's presidency, um, she organized a really enjoyable trip to Washington. Uh, we had a great couple of days in Washington. We got to visit the White House and we got to see you know Congress and Parliament and all bits and pieces. And it was on the plane back, um, Seamus O'Mahony was coming in as president and he just mentioned that there was positions coming up on council um so like a lot of things Neve, we often say we're too busy and having time and I probably had been that person for a couple of years saying you know having time to go on council um and then I decided you know what ASBA has been good to me mm, um yeah. I'd had great experiences and met great people mm. um so um opportunity came up then to um become vice president and uh then, yes, as you said, COVID struck in the middle of Seamus O'Mahony's presidency. And like when you think back, there was a naivety to us all because we figured, um, God, this would be tied up now for two weeks, you know. <laughs> and then we were saying, God, we're going to be tied up for four weeks. And then we were trying to see would Seamus have his um, conference and his banquet. And looking back, we left until the 11th hour to pull it because, you know, it was this stage yeah. of... Um, I think in Ireland, we were talking about the international trip was going to China. China, yeah, that's where that in was going. And the, the word COVID, whatever it was, yeah. was mentioned. Um, so anyway, then move on to my presidency. And as you said, uh, lo and behold, we're still... And, you know, like you're here today in Freshford, Neve, like most, all of my ASA meetings were chaired from this room in mm. the house in Freshford. And, um, you know, we still achieved, hopefully, a lot. I remember they'll been out for a walk by myself listen to a podcast and that's where the idea for the podcast came I said god if we can't reach people face to face how will we reach them and, and that's where this podcast series came from just as a new method of um and I was very fortunate in that um Barbara McGoldrick was a dab hand with technology and she could bring my idea of a podcast to life so uh, so here we are so that that's a, a great one but again we were back in this world of could we have a conference could we not now we did get to have a conference but there was maybe 20 odd of us <laughs> up in the Killashee um so, but look, it was a great, great year. Um, I often do think though of Pat Bogue, Lord Merson and Pat yeah. was, was very good in my year. Um, he helped me kind of, re I suppose, revisit the strategic review that had been started a couple of years earlier where we just got back to brass tacks. I suppose it gave us a chance to look at where our membership numbers were, where our membership benefits were, um, you know, our charity status, all of those bits and pieces. So maybe all of the stuff that has to happen in the background. Um, mm. But look, it was unfortunate I didn't maybe get to have an international trip or I didn't get to have the, the conference. But look, I remember that evening uh, you were up there and we had uh, 20 odd of us in a room and it's mm. amazing how much you can appreciate out of a, a small group that would have been um, a couple of hundred. But no, look, no regrets. And you, I suppose it was great we could keep the show on the road. Absolutely. That was the important part. And um, look, lots of webinars here at home and, and the kids being asked to please stay quiet while I chaired a <laughs> webinar. But sure, look, there was lessons. I remember one day we had um, a webinar on and Barbara Keatley was on chatting about how the bananas 
were stuck out in the ocean and couldn't get in. And I remember my two kids kind of looking at me going, wow. So I was kind of going, look, somebody here is learning something anyway, you know. Absolutely. So, um, but look, it's amazing. All I can say is, um, thankfully, we're all back to normal. And it was great last year to to have a conference. Mm. And, and again, it's the networking. I think that's what people enjoy. Um, and as I said, for anyone who hopefully all who are listening are ASA members, but if they're not, um, highly recommend it because it look at what you will learn from an academic and a science part of you but it's the people mm. you know yeah. um it's the people that you meet along the way and who will help you in your career yeah absolutely. um so asa has been has been very good to Definitely. Me now, yeah and people who you you wouldn't get the chance to meet if it wasn't for asa absolutely and you're, you're you have that common ground yeah no matter what you're working in like as i said you know from my times in ulster bank to ucd to now to chagas like there's that commonality um, and that's very powerful you know? absolutely um I suppose we've kind of spoken an awful lot about um, your career and you even just said it about your two kids, so it would be remiss not to, you know, not to mention them. Um, and obviously a great career, I firmly believe, is based on the people backing it behind. Um, so somewhere along the way, you met a Kilkenny man. Yeah, so Derek is from Jane's Ford, um, which for those not familiar with Kilkenny is about a half an hour from Freshford. So um, yeah, very proud Jane's Ford man and Richie Hogan supporter in the Harlan. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so Derek and myself have been together quite a good few years and um, got married and lived in Carlow for a while uh, when I was working in UCD and then as I said we built a house back here in Freshwater which is great and my mum lives next door to us and she's in good health thank God so mum is a great support, a typical Irish mother she would hate to think I'm even mentioning her Neve <laughs> on the podcast but yeah mum is the unofficial babysitter you know when I'm run that bit late or she'll um collect them or drop them or wherever but it's it's just great for Keelan and Sen that mum is so close and, and Derek's mum is alive and well in Dane's Fort so again very close um but you know look Derek and the kids are very they're well used to me now and how I'm programmed and um you know the even I when I finished in Ulster Bank I'd finished I said that QFA and I'd finished all these exams and they were well used to this and then what's the first thing I do when I go into Chagas guy register for a course <laughs> with DCU so um Chagas are very very kindly fund uh, quite a number of us every year to complete um a DCU program it's a graduate certificate in strategic leadership mm-hmm. um so that's a two-year program there's about 20 odd of us um on that course um and uh, up and down to DCU very much online but a, a lot of face-to-face but I couldn't do any of those things to be fair without um mm. the commitment or support of Derek and the kids because they're used to me saying she's have to write an essay or I have to go to this meeting but look I try and make a rule as well Neve. like um, I'm home in the evenings if it's six o'clock they play a lot of sport uh, Keelan and Senans a lot of hurling and camogie and football and soccer and hockey and all the bits but I try and make sure that I'm at as most most of those. look there's things you'll miss I'll mm. be honest you can't mm. be at everything Um, the schools games are always the challenge but mm. look Senan understands it at this stage Um, but you try your best to be there in the evenings uh, computer off but look I'd be lying even if I said the computer doesn't go on occasionally when the, everyone's in bed but only when it's really pressing or somebody's waiting on something because um, look I enjoy being out I enjoy people so I try and make as much effort as I can during the week with the job to get to the colleges to get to graduations to get to the regions because that's the only way I learn mm. you know and that's the only way people will get to know me mm. uh, and that's when I'll understand if something is needs to be fixed or something mm. can be done a, a little bit differently um so look without the support of Derek and as I said the kids um at this stage and my mom um it, it really it wouldn't work but I suppose uh, everyone has a, 
a bit of a village behind them in a lot of this. And look, there's lots of days I'm texting other mums and dads asking for, you know, a lift to a match or, but you're, you you know, you pay it back. Absolutely. I yeah. can do the weekends and I can do the bits and pieces. Um, but, um, but look, I, look, I think I'm just programmed that you like to be busy and, mm. um, I'm involved with the tidy towns here in Freshford and that keeps me, um, keeps me grounded as well. And, um, I enjoy gardening. So I think a bit of, Soil under the nails is good as well. The kids don't come near me because I think they're afraid they'd have to help me with the weaving. <laughs> but, you know, I think it's important as well to have time for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So it doesn't always happen. But if you can mm. switch off. And I find often it's when you're doing something not connected to the job that a penny will drop or you'll think of something that you meant to do or something that you'd like to do. So, um, look, it's busy at the minute in work. We, you know, as you, as you know, Neve agriculture has you know this was a job of work in hand with climate and climate action and climate strategy um, and there's great work happening with all my colleagues in research and then in advisory and getting it out to farms but we have to make sure we get that into the classroom so if it's protected urea if it's low emission slurry spreading if it's earlier slaughter if it's clover we have to make sure that we're teaching that in the classroom in a way that the students appreciate and enjoy um, and that they're bringing the message home mm. um, so always looking at new ways of teaching you know you don't want to have it just in a book because as i said earlier a lot of our learners might not appreciate it that way it's mm -hmm. more that visual mm -hmm. so it's it's having the infrastructure it's having the equipment it's you know being, they can sit up on the tractor or they can you know they can do the work if it's um reseeding if it's harvesting if it's looking at silage so it's all of that technology making sure that our role is to make sure that that's getting back home or it's getting back to the families mm. Very good. Um, I suppose, I know we're probably getting near the time of wrapping up, but um, if Keelan or Senan were to turn to you in the morning and say, Mam, I'm going doing ag science, uh, and Marie Butler looking back in hindsight, oh, what would her opinion be? Yeah, like, oh, I, look, um, as I said, if I go back, um, I had no intention of studying ag science. I, I, I always enjoyed farming, as I said. Um, I was talking to a colleague recently and he was telling me he gets that great thrill when he sees a silage harvester going down the road. Um, for me, it's a combine. You know, that, yeah, yeah. that's the important time of the year. Uh, enjoyed beet as well, even though it was a lot um, muckier and um, and darker evenings and mornings. But, um, oh, look, agriculture has served me, you know, hugely. And even in terms of travel, um, like even since I joined Chagas, a number of conferences, um, that I've attended and it, it's to learn but like I enjoy travel um I enjoy hopping on a plane and going to see things um so absolutely no no regrets at all and I think the beauty of agriculture as you know Neve, is all the places you can go yeah. you know there was friends of mine in college who went on to teach ag science in secondary schools some went on to be accountants um with accountancy firms who have their ag degree and their accountants many went into research many went into sales um so absolutely no regrets but i like i would say to listeners um i think morris boland um you know when he was lecturing me way back um you know he spoke about the ball hopping once mm. uh, and being ready to catch the ball and you know if you don't catch it it'll move on but it mightn't hop a second time and you know for me i, I really believe that you know you have to challenge yourself mm -hmm. now um there's a lot to be said for a nice even keel every now and again, and I'm sure Derek would be glad I was on an even keel for a while. I don't think that's bred into you. <laughs> um, but 
you know, it's it's not being afraid to try new things. Yeah. You know, um, like and and even something as simple. I'm in a book club, and you know, if somebody says try this book, look, I'll try it. Like you know, and what's the worst that can happen? But you know, not being afraid to put yourself outside your comfort zone, um, and build skills. But you know, obviously standing up for yourself as well. Like you mm. know, if if you don't want to take part, you don't take part, or if you don't think it's the right idea um do that but uh but certainly things like over the years you know makra and even debating mm. and i know you've soldiered at that and they're skills for life so yeah. um i would often say to the kids um you know if you can get involved in debating they give me a bit of a glassy look but those are the skills you don't really realize yeah. you're developing until um you know you reflect on them but uh yeah certainly don't be afraid to catch that ball because mm. um you know it can bring you lots of places absolutely because I even know I've turned to you when I'm like hesitant on loads of different moves and you've always told me just go for it and yeah do it. yeah yeah you follow the gut follow yeah. the gut like and uh you know I think you have to trust yourself yeah um yeah because if something's not for you you know it's not for you and you know I think as I said earlier people probably think I'm like god she's she's made these big changes but you know at the time I would I wouldn't have just decided overnight Neve. you know you make that kind of mental list of the pros and cons and um but you know that line of when you're explaining you're losing. Um, mm. I think when you know, you know. Um, but I'm all look. I'm all for new things and and surrounding yourself with good people as well. Um, and people who'll guide you and help you on the way. And uh, as I said, from Loretto right into UCD. Um, I was blessed with Michael Wallace and, and Pat Dillon. And look, I'm I'm very fortunate now. I'm I'm working in a great team in in Jagus. There's a new team there with the new director with Frank O'Mara and with Stan Lawler, who I report to. Um, and Pat Dillon is director of research now so there's a great team there and it's um, very supportive and uh, I think you make the best of it then definitely um, well on that note thank you very much um, on behalf of ASA for um, speaking with us Anne-Marie and I suppose we look forward to seeing where Anne-Marie Butler's career progresses into the future yeah well look Neve, it's been a pleasure and uh, best wishes to you also in your forthcoming presidency <laughs> thank you very much <laughs>